God, I love that. John Tesh is a very successful television and radio host, six-time Emmy Award winner, cancer survivor. He has a new book entitled Relentless, and he wrote the greatest theme song in the history of sports. And he joins us now. It is John Tesh. People are surprised when I say you wrote this song. <laughs> yeah, they're surprised in concert, too, because, you know, in, in my, uh, my shows are usually women who have uh, dragged their boyfriend or their husband to a John Tesh concert. So we have a little joke on stage where, you know, we play the romantic music and stuff with orchestras and stuff. And about, I don't know, about halfway through, there's at least two or three guys in the fifth row with their arms folded because uh, they're, they're, they're just there for relationship <laughs> currency. They, they, they came in for the currency. Like, I'll do this for my wife, and then, I don't know, maybe I don't have to cut the yard this week. And so... When we get to when we get to the the NBA thing, the arms unfold and they're in their wife's ear going, "This is the song. This is a, this guy wrote this. Oh my gosh!" You know, so uh, just, I end up with just a little bit of street cred just from that one moment. I love it. You know, watching the Last Dance, we had Bob Costas on the show. We brought up all all the old Bulls. It was fun to see that footage, but we got to play the greatest theme in the history of sports. I know some people are saying, "What about Monday Night Football?" Well, I think that's a close second. But remind me, you've told this story before on this station remind me did nbc approach you or you came up with this in your car and you started singing it how did that work again yeah you're really close i mean what what happened was i was working for i I worked well i was at cbs news and i went to cbs sports and i was i was doing the tour de france and i was i was not only announcing the stuff like the tour and gymnastics and downhill skiing but i was also working with david michaels al michaels brother and we were he was great producer still is and he was using my music for a lot of the events. Uh, and then I left and went to Entertainment Tonight. So it's 1989, 1990, and I'm at ET in Los Angeles, and David's still at, at NBC. And so uh, you know, the, uh, NBC got the tour to front. So David said, hey, can you take a couple of weeks off and come and do the tour with me? I said, sure. And I ended up doing the Olympics with them as well. So I'm in Europe, and I find out, you know, through because I'm with a bunch of NBC people, that NBC got the basketball coverage rights from CBS. And so they wanted a whole new look and a whole new package and they were looking for a theme. So I said, man, if I could just get something like this, people would actually, I wasn't really known as a composer. And so I'm all day, I'm, I'm with bicycles, right? And all day I'm like going, da, 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 get that, 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 trying to come up with stuff. <laughs> and I woke up at two o'clock in the morning in Majev, France on a Thursday. I'll never forget it. And I had this theme in my head and I knew that if I went to sleep, I didn't have a tape recorder, didn't have any sheet music and keyboard. I knew if I went to sleep, it would be gone the next day. You know that feeling. So I called my answering machine back in the States. Oh, yeah. And I left that message for myself. Yeah. And so, and I've done this on stage. And I just sang, you know, I got home after two weeks. And I got this. <laughs> I was just um, going to ask, you have the piano handy, too. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. just in case I have to dash off a, a theater piece or something. You know. uh, well, first of all, how is Connie and the family? Is everybody safe and healthy? Are you guys doing okay? We're safe and healthy, yeah. We, we normally do all of our stuff out of the house anyway. I mean, we have studios in the house. You know, the traffic in Los Angeles for years has been crazy, and so... We got the three grandkids uh, homeschooling here. Our daughter-in-law teaches chemistry via Zoom, and we do our TV show and all that. So everybody's yeah, everybody's healthy. Man, that is great news. Are you in the high risk category since you're a cancer survivor? 
they try to tell me that uh, because I had so much chemo. Yeah, but I, I just don't. I don't. I don't believe it. You know, it's um, listen. I respect. Obviously, I respect the, the the virus, but but my my healing was a, was a and it's in the book was is a, a combination of some great doctors at MD Anderson and, and Northwestern. Uh, yeah, so Ted Schaefer at Northwestern uh, did my first surgery. He he's my he's my doctor, and he says hello. Absolutely. Oh, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. he saved my life. Ted Schaefer saved my life he, because I had a very aggressive form of prostate cancer that didn't make any PSA. Mm-hmm. And he, um, he I, I remember when we found him, he said, John, don't worry. I'm going to save your life. I, tr- I, I treat aggressive cancer aggressively well, because not John, a lot of people John, wanted to on, operate on me. John, hold on a second. You said your PSAs, which is a level that uh, we take a blood test as men to know that our prostate levels are high. And your PSA came out normal? Oh, less. I mean, like point four. It didn't make it. it what? And there is such a thing. There's such a thing as non-PSA producing prostate cancer. And so I, I had a routine exam back in Los Angeles with my GP, and he said, "There's something that feels weird here," because he did the digital rectal exam, and something feels weird ended up being like five or six really just nasty tumors. Oh, my gosh. So in 2015, you get the worst possible news that anyone could hear that you found out, number one, that you had cancer. And then they tell you that you only have 18 months to live. Well, they don't want to give you a number, but it was like the guys, you know, the guys in the hospital that were that had done the biopsy, like, yeah, I can guarantee you 18 months to two years. And then when when Dr. When Ted did the surgery, he said, oh, this looks great. Margins are clean and everything. And then what happened was it, it, cancer kept coming back and ended up in my from my pelvis into my my lymph nodes. When I got to MD Anderson, they I didn't had another surgery and then the chemo and all the rest of the crazy suffering that goes on with that. And we couldn't get we couldn't get rid of it. And at that moment, my wife and I ended up finding a couple of scriptures in the Bible. One of them is tattooed on my arm, Mark eleven twenty three. It was more about you know renewing your mind and speaking life over yourself and 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 taking the worry out and we we had to practice that and you know ultimately i ended up being uh, being cancer free but if it weren't for schaefer and uh, dr logothetis and all those guys we wouldn't be talking oh my gosh i want you to hold that thought john we're going to check uh traffic and take a quick break john tesh on the line with us his new book is entitled relentless lauren what's happening when it comes to weather, we all want to know, what did Skilling say? Watch for updated forecasts from Chicago's most trusted meteorologist, Tom Skilling, weeknights on WGN-TV. On the phone with us is John Tesh. By the way, are you still next to your uh, piano? Yeah, somewhere, yeah. Can, can, can you play us back? We usually have some rejoin music. Can you play us uh, about 15 seconds of music? Yeah, sure. Okay. I don't have any uh, pedals in front of me. <laughs> Was that the St. Elmo's Fire theme? Uh, it wasn't. It was a song called Garden City, but I know David Foster really well, and I've ripped off a few of his licks, so there may be some <laughs> of that in there. I like that. His new book is entitled Relentless. You were telling the story about uh, your bout with cancer, and you said you have a tattoo on your body. Mark, was it 1123? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Whoever, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will be done, 
shall have whatever he says. Therefore, whatever you ask when you pray, believe that you already receive it, and, and you will have it. You know, and the book is, uh, there, the cancer battle is titrated throughout the book, but there's, there's stuff in there that is crazy, like me being 19 and a half years old. I got kicked out of college for forging a professor's name on a drop ad card. Right. And, and three years later, at 23 years old, I was the youngest correspondent at CBS in New York City anchoring the news. And in the newsroom to my left was Meredith Vieira. Geraldo Rivera was at Channel 7 across the street. Uh, Brian Wilson and Bill O'Reilly were in the newsroom, and John Stossel. We were all cub reporters at the same time. And so there's those stories like that, and then also about you know how we uh, we mounted that big uh, Red Rock special that re- really changed my life forever. I, I was able to become a full-time musician. Well, John, uh, can you tell that story? At one point, you got kicked out of the house, and you got kicked out of school. <laughs> can you tell that story? Yeah. Yeah, and my girlfriend broke up with me. Uh, yeah, my dad. My dad was the vice president of the of the Haynes, of the underwear division of Haynes. Uh, and in fact, I you know for most of my life we got free underwear. I, I, I don't I don't remember growing up on Long Island. I don't remember my mom ever even washing any underwear. She just threw it away. You know? <laughs> he had more to do underwear. He just brought and it he, home. He did. Exactly. And he decided, he usually brought home a scotch whiskey, to be honest with you. Um, but, but he decided that, uh, I would starve to death if I became a, a, went to school to be a musician. That's all I studied when I was a kid was trumpet and, and piano. And so he, he enrolled me in North Carolina State University, uh, as a, uh, in textile chemistry. And so I, that's what I did. I was going to be the new underwear king in the family. Oh my gosh. And, textile uh, chemistry. How boring is that? Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty boring. In fact, I I I was so desperate. I wa- I actually walked. I was a pretty good high school athlete, and I walked onto uh, the soccer and lacrosse teams at uh, at, at NC State. Um, and but then in my grades were like about one six or something like that. I was oh about to be thrown gosh. out. So I decided I was going to switch to television and radio. And I went around to all my professors, and none of they all. Uh, cha- they all signed the drop ad card except for my statistics professor who said no you're past the drop ad date I'm not going to sign this I have to follow university policy so I did what you never would have done I had some advice from a from a uh, fraternity brother I may have had a beer and I, I signed my professor's name to the drop ad card he caught me my dad got a letter from the university saying I had broken the honor code and that I was being suspended indefinitely being given enough for the course and then my dad said World War II veteran my dad said oh. uh, you're no longer welcome in my in my house and I ended up in a tent oh back in gosh. Raleigh pump, pumping gas yeah for about 6 months yeah you uh, lived in a tent for 6 months yeah and it then was, it wasn't any, <laughs> yeah and then what happened how did you get out of the tent did you get a job what happened I did. Good question. What happened was uh, I knew that I had to do something to get out of the tent. So I found a way to break into the campus radio station at NC State since I was already a criminal. What's the worst that could happen, right? Maybe maybe more bail. Keep pushing and your so luck. I, I, right. I made a, uh, I made a demo tape, um, a fake demo tape. So I did the whole, you know, with my chest, I did the traffic report, you know, Traffic is reasonably heavy there on the uh, school George Trustway. <laughs> and then, and I did all the different voices. This is Murray Skinny in Cairo. Today, Dr. Henry Kissinger had this to say about Dave Todd. I think there's a judge for the gun. You know what I mean? I did, did a real, real tape. Oh, yeah. I took it to, uh, 
to, to WKIX, this is 1973, and Scott White, a guy I still stay in touch with, the news director said, if you want a job this badly, you can have a job playing the religious tapes on, on Sunday mornings at 5 a.m. And you know what happens? You get your foot in the door and you get a job, and that's how it started. Wow, Mr. Nice Guy, John Tesh forged a professor's signature. I can't believe it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a forger. I'm a forger. But the the moral of the story is it all works out in the end, right? Yeah, it definitely worked out. But but I didn't talk to my my family. Didn't talk to me for three years. Oh, jeez! Uh, How did you bridge it, that yeah, gap? What happened? Um, what happened finally was you know my dad, member of the Greatest Generation. Yeah, he had. I'm a I'm a junior, and so somebody in New York saw me on the air with Jim Jensen and Roland Smith and all these guys and John Stossel and called my dad whose name was also John, and said, hey, are you on the news in New York? And he said, no, it must be my son, John. So all of a sudden, uh, that was the first trophy that he ever recognized in my life. And uh, God bless him. And he, and he called up and said, hey, would you like to come home for Christmas? Oh and we gosh. never talked about it again. That was it. We made we we just we, we were just like father and son, and that was that's the way it happened back then, right? Yeah, you didn't really talk things yeah. out. It just kind of uh, happens, and you move on. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? He hadn't kicked me out of the house. I, I mean, I don't know. I'd be making underwear. Not, not that there's anything wrong with making underwear. <laughs> I'd be doing that. So he was a World War II vet, and then he went to work for Haynes. Right. Yeah, he was like a self-made man. Worked, at, you know, to worked his way up, and and uh, he was, uh, yeah, he was a big sales guy. At, uh, at, at and, and just, you know, I recognized the fact that I had some musical talent, but it, but it, an entertainer to him was the guy who spun the plates on the Ed Sullivan Show. So yeah. I, I understand that he didn't want that from me. Isn't it interesting how we grow up and we start to understand our parents? I know it's so cliche, but I'm at that point right now where I have a 14-year-old and I talk to my mother and she just laughs at me on the phone. Yeah, right. Yeah, Yeah, I I have an an eight-year-old granddaughter. I'm watching that happen. It's the same thing. But, you know, there's a lot of – when you read a memoir, you always see something uh, of yourself in in there. And and in in this book – in my journey, uh, I worked a pro. Whenever anything good happened to me, I worked a process that was given to me by my band teacher, Dr. Thomas Wagner, who was New York State Teacher of the Year twice as an elementary school teacher, and and that gift he gave me of of persistence, grit, and faith uh, is with me today. And and it's anything that's ever ever good that's happened to me, including meeting and marrying my marrying my wife Connie Selica, was a, was the result of just working that process. Well, John, you have all of Chicago listening right now and most of Illinois. I mean, what is the secret? Pray and work hard? Yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of work, right? You know that. I mean, I mean, it's it's you got to have a vision and and who is it Nietzsche said, you know, if uh you can you can withstand as long as you have a why, you can withstand any how. You know, and and so but my why sometimes changed the lane that I was in sometimes changed. But it was it was always I I always enjoyed being focused. And I always loved the process. I was I never really thought about you can listen to Jocko Willink, right, or or David Goggins, these Navy SEAL guys. That's what they talk about. They talk about working the process. Yeah, working the process every day. Right. And uh, do you follow Goggins on uh, Instagram? I do. Yeah, oh I listen to those guys all the time. I love these. I love these these uh, these um, uh, mashups they have on YouTube where they put music to, the, you know, speakers like like uh, you know Les Brown and Goggins and and and, and all, even even uh, Jordan Peterson, all those guys. Right. So you're a, you're a guy that gets motivated by reading about other people. I mean, I'm one of those guys too. 
And you take yeah, I, you know one of, yeah one of my favorite books is a, a book by I think it's Austin Kleon wrote a book called Steal Like an Artist. It's a brilliant book because it's about looking at you know decoding other people's greatness and figuring out which parts of it work for you. Right. I've always said that, and I say that to my son. Find out how what worked for this guy and take a little bit of that with you, or this other yeah. guy right here. Yeah. I, I feel like we all yeah, need I mean, to do that. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I saw uh, the Moody Blues at Red Rocks and Yanni at uh, the Acropolis and the Three Tenors in, in Italy, I knew the moment I saw that, that one weekend of all those PBS shows that I was going to do a giant PBS show with an 80-piece orchestra at Red Rocks. There was going to be 7,000 people in the audience. We gave away tickets. And that was going to be my way out of television and into music full-time. I could see it before it actually happened. And I think a lot of people understand that, that you, you have to be able to see it. It's all about the pre-visualization, isn't it? It is, yeah. And and I, you know, there was a time, and there's a book, there's a chapter in the book called Pity Party, and there was a time when I couldn't see myself as anything other than a cancer patient. I just, I just imploded. I was drinking. I was taking Vicodin. I was mean to my family. I was done what? at 63 years old. Yeah, it was wow. terrible. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, suffering will do that to you, and, and, and then once you get past the pity party. And you can see yourself well, and you can speak words of life over yourself. In Proverbs eighteen twenty one, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Then, then you can start receiving power. And 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 for me, you know, the Holy Spirit can say, "Hey, I'm going to show you what's what's to come if you just clean things up and understand that God wants you well." Wow, your wife's a saint for sticking with you. Oh gosh, I mean, ask 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 uh, ask Ted Schaefer, Doctor Schaefer. He thought she was a healthcare professional. Because she knew so much about prostate cancer, she had studied it. Wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna call him after the show. It's great to hear your voice, man. I'm glad you're doing well, and uh, good luck with the book. Oh, thanks so much. It was great talking to you. That is John Tesh, everybody. Again, the book is entitled uh, "Relentless." All right, let's take a look at news with Kim Gordon.